Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. It's been a couple of weeks. I've been out of town. Glad to be back in our home studio. You've seen we've added the King Griffey Jr. Classic 24 Mariners jersey. Favorite player of all time. We've got Michael Jordan on this side. Yes, I know he's crooked. Several of our favorite athletes right here. Uh, you can't see him, but Kobe Bryant's on the wall over there. The studio's coming together. It looks really good. Really happy to be back in the studio, but it's been a minute since we've done an episode, so let's jump right in. For those of you who may have listened to the podcast before, you probably assume I'm going to start with the MLB postseason, and we will get there. There's not going to be a, a podcast during baseball season where I don't talk about baseball. We will get there, but... Because it's the most kind of long-standing thing, I do want to start with the Damian Lillard. The Damian Lillard saga is now over as he was traded somewhat surprisingly to the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee was not a team that frequently came up in the Damian Lillard conversation. Most often we heard Miami, we heard Brooklyn. Um, some of the dark horse teams we heard were Utah and Toronto. Those were destinations I really, really liked for him. But he ends up teaming up with Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. And I like this for Milwaukee because it was very clearly an effort to keep Giannis, who had previously in his career said he didn't want to play elsewhere. He wanted to stay in Milwaukee. And then he, and then when he won a championship, you assumed that would he, that's what he was going to do. But as so often happens when you win a championship, you get that taste for the championship blood and you 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 thirst for it even more. And so he said, hey, if we can't win a championship, I might have to look elsewhere. And Milwaukee, uh, unlike some other stars who have said that, ironically, his new teammate has said that, Milwaukee responded and said, we're going to go get you Damian Lillard to pair with you and Chris Middleton. Um, and we also found out this week that that earlier, whether it was this offseason or last, I can't remember, Jimmy Butler's name had come up as a possible pairing with Giannis in Milwaukee, but apparently they, the team wanted Chris Middleton in return, and Giannis was like, no, I want Chris. So he gets to keep Chris, he gets a new weapon in Damian Lillard, and I really, really like this for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I do honestly think that both teams, it doesn't happen a lot, I think both teams won this trade because look the reason why the the trade to Miami didn't work out and why some of the other de destinations we heard about didn't work out for Damian Lillard is because Portland was being very shrewd in what they wanted in return and I and I myself gave them a lot of crap on this podcast for not honoring Dame, Damian Lillard's wishes but as a, but I even said as an organization as a GM, as an owner, you have to do what's best for your organization long term. And I think Portland held out and did exactly what they needed to do. And at the end of the day, I think they are a, they are going to be a better team this year than they were last year because of it. Damian Lillard wanted them to trade the the top pick for a a star like Paul George or, J or Draymond Green. They didn't do it. They have Scoot, Scoot Henderson. They traded Damian Lillard to Milwaukee and got Drew Holiday back. And they knew they weren't going to keep Drew Holiday, so they then traded Drew Holiday for a few options. And I think looking at their potential starting lineup and sixth man, it's in really, really good shape. Port Portland's is. Milwaukee, we know, is going to be a championship favorite. They already would have been without Damian Lillard. Now they have one of the best shooters maybe in league history to back up Giannis and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez and all those guys. So 
we're not talking about how good Milwaukee's going to be. We know they're going to be good. And I, for one, am looking forward to it. I've, I've always been a Damian Lillard fan. Uh, but, but what kind of stands out to me is that Portland got exactly what they wanted because now Portland's lineup, because the Suns were also involved in that, in that Milwaukee trade. It was a three-team deal between Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Portland. And so with that trade and then the trade of Drew Holiday to Boston shortly thereafter, Portland's potential starting lineup is looking like either Malcolm Brogdon or Anthony Simons at the one, the other being the sixth man, Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp at the three, who they were very high on out of the draft a couple of years ago, Robert Williams the third, and DeAndre Ayton. That, that is Portland's potential six-man lineup, um, depending on who they go with at the one. Now, if they go with Malcolm Brogdon, that, that, that's a former Rookie of the Year and, and, and a sixth-man award winner. They go with Anthony Simons. It was someone that they looked at highly as a player very similar to Damian Lillard. So whoever they decide to start at the one, this is their potential starting lineup plus one. And I really, really like it. Look, are they going to win a playoff series? Probably not. No. Are they going to make the playoffs? I I, I like it as a potential um, play-in tournament team, a dark horse, maybe a 10 seed. I You know, I, this is not a bad lineup at all. You know, people want to question DeAndre Ayton's love for the game or his work ethic or whatever. I still think he's a really good player. He was a top pick for a reason. Robert Williams, look, I I, I think trading Drew Holiday to Boston was a great move for the team because he because Drew Holiday is coming towards the end of his career. He doesn't want to be on a rebuilding team, and Portland knew that. And they traded him to Boston where he has a chance to make an impact. But Boston had has probably the big, the most different look from last season in, in the sense that they traded away their two biggest defensive difference makers in Marcus Smart and Robert Williams. They've, they've gone more offensive than they already were in trading those two guys away. They, they did plug those holes with Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis, which I think I cannot fully fill the gap, but will do a decent job. So Robert Williams, we know, is a defensive monster. Shaden Sharp, they were already high on. We'll see what his full potential can be. Scoot Henderson was was a was a top three pick for a reason. And as I said, Malcolm Brogdon is a is a former Rookie of the Year and Six Man Award winner. And so I think this could be really something special. Like I said, are they going to be a top team in the West? No, but I I would be willing to say I expect them to be at the very least, in the play-in tournament. This is a good lineup. They they do have some depth. They have um, one of the Murray brothers from, from Missouri who can score. They And they have, a, they have a roster that I really, really like. So I'm excited to see what this new-look Portland Trailblazers looks like. And I'm excited to see Damian Lillard uh, have a legitimate chance to win a title for arguably the first time in his career. I think it was 2018 or 2019, whatever CJ McCollum's last year in Portland was, was there really only real chance at a championship in recent years? I, even though I think their teams with LaMarcus Aldridge were arguably better, I think Damian Lillard works best with another big, which is why I, I, I liked him with LaMarcus Aldridge early in his career. So I think being paired with Giannis is going to be really, really, really fun. But I think, 
this is one of the rare, rare situations where both teams won the trade. Milwaukee gets their big superstar piece to hopefully keep Giannis long term. Dame seems happy. You know, it's not Miami, but he seems happy for a fresh start and a legitimate chance to win. And for all the flack they were given, Portland held out and got exactly what they wanted. And so I think this is this is really, really exciting. That being said, the NBA seems to be the league with the most out-of-the-blue statements. Players answering questions that no one's asking. Players saying things at random that don't seem to fit. I feel like every every episode we do, we're having a conversation about somebody saying something that seems a little out of pocket. And this time, that honor belongs to the my the the Miami Heat's own Tyler Hero, who and I, and I don't know the exact context of this statement. I'm sure, I'm sure because his name came up a lot in in the the initial Portland trades with Miami. He was probably asked about how he feels about the trade, and Tyler Hero said, "I'm ready to just play the I, I'm ready to just play the best." Portland ain't the best, so I'm not really worried about Portland. Okay. Um, as I just said, I don't think anybody's worried about Portland. Portland's going to be a fun watch this year because of their completely new lineup that I think that the franchise got exactly what they wanted. What I see here is Tyler Hero taking a shot at a team that he knows did not want him. The reason why Damian Lillard is not suiting up for the Miami Heat this year is because Tyler Hero was included in basically every offer Miami made to him, made to Portland and Portland didn't want him. So this so this statement by Tyler Hero is legitimate sour grapes over oh they didn't want me so I'm going to take unnecessary shots at them. No one no one's worried about Portland as of look, you're in the Eastern Conference. You're going to, you know, the only way you're meeting Portland is in the finals. No one's worried about Portland making the finals. This is just, this is just a player with an ego that had his feelings hurt because he wasn't wanted by a rebuilding organization. And he's taking an unnecessary shot at a team that isn't paying him any attention. They're not thinking about him at all. And he's clearly thinking about them. They're in his head. And so this this was clearly the statement of somebody that's just chewing on sour grapes. And I, I completely... I, look, no disrespect to Tyler Hero. I think he's a great... Oh, I should rephrase that. I think he's a good player. But nobody's really worried about Tyler Hero either. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Tyler Hero took an unnecessary shot at a team that didn't want him. I've never seen someone so upset that they weren't traded when they hadn't previously asked to be traded. I think Tyler Hero is just trying to insert himself into a narrative that nobody invited him into. I think he's just bitter that his own franchise tried to offer him up multiple times. And Portland said, no, thank you. Absolutely not. So that's just another chapter in the where the heck did that come from? story that the NBA likes to throw at us every once in a while. Let's pivot real quick to the NFL. There are a lot of storylines in the NFL. The most prevailing one in the last several weeks has been 
the situation with Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts. That seems to be resolving itself. Things are moving in the right direction. He's he's at the very least he's committed to play for the team for the rest of this year. When he comes, he's officially eligible to come off the PUP and play. He's been a full participant at practice this week. It's Friday when we're recording this, so it's very, very, very likely that he will play on Sunday and play throughout the rest of the year, barring injury. So that saga appears to be over as well, at least for now, until they re-initialize negotiations in the offseason. And everybody's watching the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins as they as they continue their hot starts. Um, Miami stumbled a bit against Buffalo a week after putting up 70 on Denver, but I still think that's a tough team. That's a team to watch in the NFL. But to me, the story of the year right now is is probably the most disappointing team, and that is Cincinnati Bengals. We knew that Joe Burrow was dealing with a calf injury in training camp and leading up to the season, and the Bengals assured everybody that he'd be fine and he'd he'd play week one. He did, and he's played every week since. But the Bengals are one and three, and they're last in the AFC North, and Joe Burrow has not looked comfortable. He's reaggravated the calf at least once. Um, and and what sticks out to me about that is that in the pre, in the preseason in training camp, when Joe Burrow went down with his injury, his teammate and friend Jamar Chase was noted as saying, "You know, I would prefer if he would just sit, like heal it up and get ready and be back with us when we need him." Come back in like week five instead of trying to push it, maybe, you know, getting getting hurt a little bit and, you know, putting us in a, in a bad situation. The Bengals looked at it as if he can go out there, he said he, he, he can either not play and we can be off to a rough start or he can play and give us a chance. So right now they're looking at the worst possible scenario is that he's playing and and they're struggling. This team, as I said, this team is one and three. They're last in the in the AFC North. I had them winning the division. If you go back and look at look at my preseason uh, predictions, I I had the Bengals winning the NFC North. I think at eleven and six is what I had them at, maybe twelve and five. But not only are are they struggling to win games, week one they got embarrassed by Cleveland. Was it twenty eight three, twenty four to three? But with Joe Burrow through four games this year, Cincinnati's only scored 49 points, which is second fewest in the NFL, second only to the New York Giants. So it is not looking good in Cincinnati. Do I think they'll be fine? Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna win the division anymore. And I think I think Baltimore is playing really well. I think Lamar is playing really well. He's scoring two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns last week. But Cincinnati has not looked good through four games. This is a team that is that is a perennial playoff contender. Has already made one Super Bowl with Joe Burrow. Has 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 made one other AFC Championship game. So this is not at all what we expected, and it is quite a disappointing start for the Cincinnati Bengals. One and three, second fewest points scored in the NFL through four games. 
But what, what I find interesting is looking back at that Jamar Chase statement in training camp, I guess he was right. I guess it would have been better for Cincinnati, for Joe Burrow to hang out and not play for it for till week five, because here we are approaching week five and the team's one and three with Joe. And he's he's clearly struggling with that calf injury. They did they did re-sign um, former Bengals quarterback AJ McCarron as a contingency plan. AJ McCarron had previously played with with the St. Louis Battlehawks, I believe. So AJ McCarron back in a Bengals uniform as a contingency plan for the for the hampered Joe Burrow. We'll see how the rest of the year in Cincinnati goes if Cincinnati can indeed turn it around. They that they have been known in the Joe Burrow era for having a little bit of a slow start. They started 0-2 last year, ended up making the AFC Championship. So maybe nothing to worry about. Maybe the most disappointing story of the season. We don't know yet. Pivoting to the future of the NFL, maybe sooner rather than later, maybe not. Caleb Williams made headlines this week and last couple weeks where his dad had previously stated that he might consider returning to USC for one more year if if the right situation did not present itself. At that time, it looked like Arizona would presumably be that number one pick. Everybody kind of thought they'd be the worst team in the league. But, but now with the season kind of a quarter of the way over already, it, it looks more like it could be Chicago, the Giants, one of those teams that could possibly be in the running for Caleb Williams. And that his dad said, oh, well, if, well, if, it's, if it's not the right fit, he could go back. And the reasoning is, and, and we've had some elaboration on this, is that if Caleb Williams could stay in college, he's making money. He's those NIL deals. He's not in a hurry to go to a bad situation. It's not like in 2004 when the Chargers were going to draft Eli Manning and he said ahead of time, like, I'd rather not. And so they just made a draft day trade. Eli Manning really didn't have a choice. He he was going to be the number one pick. He didn't have college money to fall back on. He's like, I'm going to go to the NFL, but I'm going to make this statement. But if the Chargers draft me and and – you know, they, they don't want to trade me. I have no choice. Caleb Williams has a choice. And I think we've seen a lot of player empowerment in a lot of sports in the last couple of years. And I, basically, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But the problem here is with these NIL deals, like these players can be like, nope, I'm not going to play for you. I, I, I can make money in college. And, I, and I, I don't think that's a great look. And then Caleb Williams, it was kind of doubled down. I don't know if his dad released this list or if he himself release this list, but there were reportedly a list of five teams that Caleb Williams would consider playing for, or, or pretty much, or else he's going back to USC. And those teams included Dallas, San Francisco, Minnesota, Las Vegas, and the Giants. Of those five, the only two that I could realistically say that he could legitimately end up playing for is Las Vegas and the Giants. The Giants, maybe not so much because they've committed $40 million to to Daniel Jones. The Raiders are the, are the, are the logical choice. I, I actually like that fit with, with Josh Jacobs, who was last year's rushing leader, Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league. And 
Max Crosby on defense. I really like that team if, if Caleb Williams was, was a Raider. I don't see Minnesota moving off of moving off of Kirk Cousins right now. Maybe they will because the Vikings have sputtered out of the gate, which I which I saw coming. I think everybody saw it coming after last year's 13 and 4 season because we knew they weren't going to be 11 and 0 in one score games again, considering their plus minus was minus three. Um, and they lost Dalvin Cook. So it the their slow start doesn't surprise me, but maybe they move off of him because Kirk Cousins' name was thrown out there for potential replacements for the Jets when Aaron Rodgers went down. So maybe they move off of him. I don't think it's very likely. Dallas, they've they've invested too much in the team they have. They've invested too much in Dak Prescott. They look like one of the best teams in the league this year, so they wouldn't even be in position and it wouldn't make good financial sense to to trade up into the draft for the number one pick when they have Dak and are as good as they are. San Francisco has said repeatedly they are committed to Brock Purdy and they're the best team in the NFL this year. So I they don't have a need for Caleb Williams. But listen, every, every team in the league would like to have Caleb Williams. So that kind of changes things. You know, you 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 are willing to do things you might not otherwise when the prospect is Caleb Williams. About what was said about he could make money, he could make. I believe the statement was he could make more money at USC than he could on a rookie deal. So I looked it up, and I believe that he is making a, around two point three to two point six million this year. At USC with the NIL deals, we know he's doing those Wendy's commercials. He could have a new deal next year. He could bring in more money next year. But I just I don't think there's any way he's making more at USC than he is a, a, as a rookie in the NFL, regardless of where he plays. Because he will be the number one pick. There's no way he's not. He is going to be the number one pick. So if we take the 2.3 to 2.6 that he's making at USC this year, and we take the number one pick of last year's draft, Bryce Young. Bryce Young is making about $25 million in his first year in the NFL. I don't care if Caleb Williams gets a couple of more NIL deals. I don't care if he inks a deal with AMC Theaters or Nike or whoever. I, I don't see him making 25 million. I don't see him jumping from 2.3 to 25 million while he's still in college. There is no way, whether it was him or his dad who said this, there is no way Caleb Williams is making more money next year if he stays at USC than if he goes to the NFL. Because it's not like those sponsorship deals are going to disappear. He's going to have his on the field. He's going to, because college athletes do not have on field pay. They get their pay from advertisements. And Caleb Williams is going to have those same advertisements when he gets to the NFL. So you add that on top of the 25 million that Bryce Young is making as a rookie this year. And that's just his on play, on the field money. Caleb Williams. I don't see why he wouldn't continue to work with Wendy's and some of the other companies he's worked for. He's going to probably get a shoe deal. He's going to probably, you know, he's probably going to be on the cover of 
Madden, one of the first couple of years, or, or, or the new NCAA game. Who knows? So I just don't see any conceivable way that Caleb Williams makes more at USC than he does playing for whoever it is, playing for whoever, whether it be Arizona, Chicago, the Giants, whoever. But I, but I honestly, I don't love the look of a, and it comes with the NIL. It comes with the, with having money now. So you can kind of dictate a little bit more because it would, it would look really bad if a rookie was just like, these are the teams I want to play for blah, 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 because you have no clout in the league. And, and, and as good as Caleb Williams is, he still is going to have no clout in the league, regardless of how much money Wendy's is paying. You have to earn your, your, your stripes at every level you go to. When you go from JV to varsity in high school, no one's gonna no one's gonna care what you did on JV. You have to earn your stripes on varsity. When you go from varsity in high school uh, to college, you have to earn your stripes. Nobody's gonna hand you the starting quarterback job at Alabama because you were because you were Mr. Football, South Dakota. You have to go and you have to earn it. And it's the same thing with the NFL. Regardless of if you have a Heisman Trophy, if you're the number one pick, if you have all this money in IL deals, if you are, and this is a very realistic possibility, if you become the, only the second player ever to win two Heisman Trophies, and that is a very real possibility for Caleb Williams. Probably the most realistic shot of anybody winning a second Heisman Trophy since Tim Tebow. I think he was a finalist the second time, but, he didn't, but the vote wasn't that close. Caleb Williams has a very realistic shot. I, he's the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy five weeks into the college season. He could be the he could be the second player ever to win two behind with with Archie Griffin being the only only person ever to do it. But Caleb Williams has not earned anything in the NFL, so I don't love the idea that he's gonna be like, oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out or I'm gonna go back to college if I don't like the team that picks me. That's not how this works. Of the teams on the list, you have. I mean, you have a good shot that the Giants will be up there. You have a good shot that Vegas will be up there, especially with the way it looks this year. But I don't see, I don't see a situation where the Giants move off of Daniel Jones this year because they're paying him forty million, and they might have to pay Saquon when it's all said and done. So I, I just don't see that happening. Maybe it does. It could, and, and but I don't know why he'd want to go there if he's watching this year. They have the worst offense in the NFL. Their receivers are terrible, so they should probably use draft capital on drafting receivers. If you want to play for the Giants, maybe going back to school is your best bet because maybe they can use this entire draft to draft receivers and then get you next year. But I I don't love the look. I know the landscape is changing. I know NIL changes everything. I'm not naive to that. But I don't love the idea of a college kid who has no clout in the NFL saying, these are the teams I want to play for. And if I don't get to play for these teams, I'm just going to, I'm just not coming. I don't like it. I like Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be a great player, but it's just, it's just not a great look for me. I, like I said, I know things are different now. I'm not, I'm not some old head who's like, Oh, well, in my day, this, 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 I know things are different now. But you still have to earn your strikes in the NFL. There's a reason why the HBO 
um, show is called Hard Knocks. There's a reason why there was a show called Hey Rookie, Welcome to the NFL. There's a reason why every professional athlete, whether it be NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, has a welcome to the league story. Because you show up and you think it's going to be one thing, and there's a moment where you get hit or you see 99 off the mound for the first time or you get dunked on that you're like, oh, this is not college. This is completely different. And there's been that kind of bogus debate for years of like, oh, you know, Alabama could go beat the worst team in the NFL. You know, Clemson could go beat the worst team in the NFL. It's a different ball game. I think Alabama would have a better shot than some other college teams, but it is a different ball game in the pro ranks at any sport. And you have to earn your stripes. Some guys come in the league and have a better time of that than others. Some come in and they're out of the league in four years. It's a harsh reality. And I think Caleb Williams has not, or his dad, has not understood that yet. And so that that's the reason why I don't like the college quarterback or his camp. I'll say his camp because I don't know who's making the making the statements, making the statements. That's why I don't like those statements because he's he's making not demands, but for the sake of the podcast, he's making demands of a league that owes him nothing. That would be like coming out of law school, walking to the top floor of the best law firm in New York and saying, if you don't pay me X amount of dollars a year to try cases for you, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to law school. I'm just going to go somewhere else. No, you're out of law school. You haven't experienced being a lawyer yet. You get in that courtroom and you're like, oh no. You know, be same thing. Being in medical school is all well and good until you're in that operating room staring at a beating heart in somebody's chest. Like it's a different ball game, and you, and you can't walk in like you know it everything before you even had the first day of school. So it'll be worth watching to Caleb Williams all season. A because he's a great watch. He's he's fun to watch from a football standpoint. It's fun to watch, and B. Because we'll we'll have to see how the NFL season dictates what he's going to do in college, whether he's going to go back to USC or if he's going to go to the NFL. We will continue to keep an eye on that as the seasons progress. Now we're going to talk about the MLB postseason. It is well it is well underway as we are gearing up for the division series to start this weekend. Again, it is Friday while we are recording this, and the first. Division games are tomorrow on Saturday. All of the wild card series, all four of them, were 2 nothing sweeps. Best of three series, 2 nothing sweeps. And I will say I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that because... And first let me say, I was not a fan of the one-game wild card play-in game. I think that was bogus because baseball is not a sport that can be done that way. Baseball is a long-form game. They play 162 games. I know something that's something that's too many. They that I don't. 
They play 162 games, and this and the schedule is made up of three to four game series all season long. The only time you ever have a one game playoff, or you, the only time you ever have a one game series in the regular season, is if you get through 162 games and it's a dead tie for a division, then you're going to get a game 163. But that's the only time. So why would why would a pl- a playoff seeding, a playoff matchup, a playoff series be a one be a winner take all in a sport that doesn't work that way? It doesn't make sense to me. Because in an NFL game, you could have a bad day, but if you're the better a player on the team could have a bad day, but if you're the better team, you're probably still gonna win. Same in basketball, you're probably still gonna win, but they play a lot of games as well. So so the season series is what is what kind of dictates. Oh, this team was better. They they won three out of four, even if that one was a was a bad was a bad one. And so I I was glad when when the MLB expanded the the, the postseason. For, well, I wasn't thrilled when they expanded the postseason, but when they announced that the wild card series would be two out of three, I thought ahead of last season. I thought, oh, this is much much better. But then there was a weird reality in last year's postseason where all the series went or most of them went to went to the third game and then and then the all the wildcard teams came in and almost all of them beat the team that was waiting for them on a bye. And I attributed I personally attributed this to the fact that or or I personally attributed this to the to the fact that the wildcard teams, let's take Philly for example, was hot. They had played those extra games. They had gotten hot. And so when they went and played the Braves, who who had a bye uh through through that first wildcard series because they had they had won the division by several games, by like 20 games, Atlanta had been sitting for like a week. They hadn't played in a week since the end of the regular season. And here comes here comes Philadelphia who had cruised through the wild card series, was hotter than fire and and blew past Atlanta. So and many attributed the fact that, you know, and and, and a lot of playoff sports has to do with who's hot when it starts. That that's not an excuse or whatever. But I'm saying the fact that if if there's a if there's a team that can come in playing hot and they get matched up against somebody who hasn't played in a week, that's going to have an effect. So going into this year, I was worried about something similar. But what I like is that let's let's use the Phillies again. The Braves are going to get a rematch with Philadelphia, which is another thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. The Braves are going to get a rematch with Philadelphia. The Braves once again got a bye as they had the best record in baseball. And the Phillies were in the wild card. They won their series with Miami two games to none on Wednesday. And game one of the NLDS is on Friday. Now, the reason why I think it's good that they, that all of the teams swept their respective wildcard series is because I think it evens the playing field more than last year when those teams were coming in on the heels of their victories and playing well because now Philadelphia wins on Wednesday 
but has to wait till till Saturday to play Atlanta, who hasn't played since last Sunday. So now you kind of allow that 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 fire to settle so that they're not necessarily coming in as the as like the hot team because they've been sitting around for for two three days and similar to the way the Braves have been sitting around for a week so the fact that these teams are sweeping these wild card series evens the playing field because now they have to sit around for for an extra day or two so so I think this playoff we're going to see fewer upsets we're going to see have probably the better teams take care of business. And I'm really excited to see that. I, as of right now, I am predicting the Orioles and the Braves in the World Series just because those are the two best teams. Those are those were clearly the two best teams for pretty much the whole season. And I'd really, really like to see that matchup. Two young teams, two exciting teams with fan bases that would love nothing more than to see those teams in in the postseason. Now, I said I would talk about the Braves being the top seed. I don't know what's going on with the seeding, but normally, and I think this is the way in every other sport, whoever knows, please, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, put it in the comments. Help, help those of us who don't understand, understand. Because I had this conversation with somebody the other day. Why is Atlanta the top seed in the National League not playing Arizona in the division series, who is the lowest remaining seed in the playoffs. That's how it's supposed to go. Why are they playing Philadelphia, who I believe is the four seed? Why are they not playing the six? Isn't that the way that it goes in every other thing? Is it were the matchups predetermined regardless of who won? Did did they just want to see Philadelphia against Atlanta again? That's not how it works. You, you don't get to cherry pick your matchups. It's highest seed gets lowest seed. That's the advantage of being the highest seed, playing at home and, and playing and having the quote unquote easiest path to the championship series. That is well, I shouldn't use the term championship series in for Major League Baseball, because that's literally what the one before the World Series is called. But that is the point of being the number one is that you have the, the quote unquote easiest path to the world series in this case. So why it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. I've seen it on Twitter or X or whatever. And I've had conversations. Why, why is Atlanta not playing Arizona? Why is the bracket system messed up? I don't get it. But anyway, that is all I have for you. Please, please follow us on social media. Hit that subscribe button for more content. We, we put up these episodes. We put up other things. One of the things we're doing right now, we're going to put up uh, starting next week. I know we're, we're going to be five weeks into the NFL season, but I did an Xbox postseason simulation for the NFL based on my preseason predictions. So there are going to be some things in there. That five weeks in, you're gonna be like, "What the heck?" Like the Jets and the Giants are 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 part of it. So so obviously, when I when I made those predictions, that's what I thought. And five weeks in, not so much. Uh, but keep an eye out for those those Madden simulations coming your way next week, and a lot of other great content right now on on all of our socials. We're doing thirty days of World Series memories as as we are now inside of 30 days 
until game one of the World Series. Keep an eye out for that. We are continuing to make changes, so this this podcast space will continue to get better. We're going to be adding a theme song soon, hopefully have some more interviews. So keep an eye out for everything changing here. Um, Follow us, like and share and comment on your favorite social media and podcast platform. Subscribe on YouTube. This is Roman Gennaro for Empire Sports Talk, my mom's favorite podcast. I'll see you next time.